0: So, uh, so we looked at the phrase of good courage. We looked at it in Deuteronomy chapter 31. It showed up <clears throat> three times there. And, uh, I just think it is interesting. So we talked last week about how when God repeats himself, when he uh, says something more than once, uh, it's very important and we should pay attention to that because the Bible only has, only, 738,000 or 783,000 words, uh, which I know sounds like a lot, but we compared that to like the Harry Potter book series has over a million words. And so, you know, it God has a fairly limited, I mean, all of the things that we know about God, all the things we know about Jesus, all the things we know about, uh, you know, the church, all the things that God wants us to know fits in, you know, in our hand. And so when God uses like this limited amount of space to repeat himself and say something more than once, um he does that for a reason, you know, like I gave the example last week of, you know, your parents having to repeat themselves. Don't make me repeat myself, right? Because they, they want to make sure that you got it the first time and that you do what they told you to do the first time. They don't want to repeat themselves. And so when God repeats himself, uh, it's sometimes it's as a, you know, like, I can't believe I have to tell these people this thing again. Sometimes it's like, Hey, I really want to make sure that, you know, this thing. Uh, and so when he repeats himself, he uses this phrase six times and he does all of it. Within just a couple chapters in the Bible, um, there's, there's a reason that he does that. So we looked at the first three times in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and I, we kind of focused on who's talking, who are they talking to, like, like what, what is going on. So just like a quick summary is they, they're, they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and they're getting ready to enter into the land of Israel and they're getting ready to, to go in and they're going to have to fight and, and conquer city by city by city by city. Uh, This land that's been promised to them uh, for a very long time. And so um, they're getting ready to go into like a, you know, a several year long battle, basically. And so when God uses this phrase, be of a good courage or be strong and of a good courage, uh, he's he's telling them for one, like, hey, you're getting ready to go to battle. So be courageous. Uh, But there's kind of a lot more to it than that, because sometimes it was Moses telling the people of Israel, hey, be of a good courage. Uh, one of the times it was Moses talking to Joshua, telling Joshua, "Hey, be of a good courage," and you know because he's going to be leading them into battle. So there's kind of a whole other level of of courageousness that's required there. And so, um, so we're going to look at the three times that it shows up in Joshua chapter one. So if you have a Bible open to Joshua chapter one, somebody who has a church Bible, when you get there, tell me or just say out loud what page it's on. So everyone else who has that Bible can just turn to that page if they don't know where it is. What pages, Declare? Three hundred and twenty-two. If you have a church Bible. If you have the same Bible, it's me. As me, it's two hundred and fifty-nine. If you have the same one as me, it's three hundred one. Okay, somewhere in that two fifty to three hundred range. All right, so. Oh, uh, Joshua! I It's not three hundred one in Nick's Bible. So uh Moses, who's been the leader of Israel for the last 40 years, he led him out of captivity in Egypt. Are you going to tell me what page number it's on in yours? What? Joshua chapter one. That's okay. Okay. So Moses led the people out of Egypt. He led them, you know, across the Red Sea. He did all the... Uh, you know, the plagues in Egypt to get him out of there. He, he, he was part of the party of the water. And Joshua was with him that whole time. They wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. And right before they get to the promised land, Moses dies. And so uh, so he died at the very last chapter of Deuteronomy. And so the very next thing is, is the book of Joshua. And it starts off in verse 1. It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, all right, so now for the next several verses, God is going to be talking to Joshua specifically, and he's going to kind of give him uh, a charge of sorts. And so, um, so verse 2 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan. That's the Jordan River, and that's the border of the Promised Land. So they're going to go over and enter into the Promised Land. Thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, <clears throat> and unto the great sea, going down toward, uh, sorry, great, un, unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. So he's basically just telling them, here's going to be the borders of the land. He kind of lays it out based on these, these landmarks. Um, verse five there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as i was with moses so i will be with thee i will not fail thee nor forsake thee be strong and of a good courage for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which i swear unto their fathers to give them and so god is talking directly to joshua and he's he's kind of giving him one last like you know kind of like a pep talk before he goes into the promised land. And so he gives them kind of all this good news, like, hey, or the, the bad news is Moses is dead, which that already happened. He already knew that. But he says, hey, just like I was with Moses, just like all those things that you saw me do with Moses, how he was able to do all these plagues and how he was able to part the Red Sea and he was able to get water from a rock and he was able to get uh, manna falling from heaven to feed you guys while you're in the wilderness, all of these things that I did for Moses and all the you know, squabbles that he had to deal with and, you know, all of the things that Moses did, just like I was with him and, and he was able to do all those things. I'm going to be with you. Okay. So that's, that's like a really um, encouraging thing to hear from God. But listen to some of these phrases <clears throat> that we just read. It says, go over this Jordan unto the land, which I give to them. So God has already like promised it. It's called the promised land. That's what we call it. Right. So he's already promised it to him. So when God makes a promise and says, this is going to be your land, uh, God's going to fulfill that promise, right? He's going to use Joshua to do it. But, uh, you know, he's trying to tell Joshua, like, hey, there's no reason for you to be afraid. I've already promised this land to you guys. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be doing the fighting for you, essentially. Uh, and then he also says, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, have I given you. So he's like, hey, once you cross into that promised land, everywhere you go, that's your guys' land. And uh, And so, you know, he's just, he's reassuring him uh he gives him the, all the dimensions of the land you know he tells him from this river to this river to from the great sea to this and he tells him you know here's the borders of the land that I'm giving you and then in verse uh verse 5 it says there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life that's a cool like i mean as a as a man or as, especially for him as a soldier uh hey no one's going to be able to like beat you like no one is going to be able to stand against you it doesn't matter because the land that they're going into to fight is filled with giants, okay? That's why they didn't want to go into the promised land originally. So, I mean, like we talk about David and Goliath and how cool it is that David beat Goliath, and it is cool. Uh, but this, this land that they're getting ready to go take doesn't just have one Goliath. Like a lot of the cities here have a lot of giants. And so for him to tell Joshua, hey, nobody is going to be able to stand against you. It doesn't matter how big and strong this person is uh, you are going to win uh, all of these battles. No one is going to be able to stand against you. Uh, so that's a cool promise. And he says, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. Uh, that's also cool because Joshua was there. He was kind of Moses' right-hand man for the whole time they were wandering in the wilderness. And so for him to say, just like I was with, jo- with Moses, I'm going to be with you, that should give him some reassurance, right? Uh, he says, I will not fail thee. I will not forsake thee. Okay. All these things are things that God also promises to you. So as we go through this or any, any study that we do in the Bible, uh, we should always kind of be trying to pick out things that how we can apply this in our life. Okay. So probably none of us are going to physically fight a giant. Um, probably none of us are going to go, uh, you know, conquering lands. Uh, maybe some of you guys go in the military, but, uh, you know, we're not conquering lands for the most part anymore. Um, so maybe those things don't directly apply to you, but, All of us have, like, things that we have to overcome in life, gigantic things, you know, enemies within our own, maybe within within our own mind. Maybe it's, you know, things we have to deal with at school. Maybe it's things we have to deal with at home. Like, all of us have some kind of giant, some kind of difficult thing that we have to face. And so, you know, as God reminds Joshua, hey, I'm going to be with you. Hey, I am with you. I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to forsake you. Everything that you're, that you're going in to possess, I've already promised it to you, right? These are some things that we can take and like apply them in our life, no matter what we're facing, God is with us, right? And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in just a minute when we get further into this chapter. But uh, so I, as we go through it, though, just be thinking like the things that God's promising to Joshua, uh, you know, the, a lot of those things, things we can apply in our own life, uh, whether in a physical sense or maybe in a spiritual sense. So when you get to verse 6 and he tells them, be strong and of a good courage, uh, he gives them this this prophecy. And we talked uh, probably a couple months ago now, we talked about prophecy. And how a lot of times when we talk about prophecy, we're talking about, you know, oh, this, this prophet Isaiah, he wrote some stuff down about Jesus being born. And that happened hundreds of years later, right? Or maybe some stuff in, you know, one of the other prophet uh, books. They wrote some stuff about Jesus coming back and that still hasn't happened. So they're prophesying about things thousands of years in the future. So a lot of times, and that, that is prophecy, but a lot of times when we think about the word prophecy, we're thinking, oh, that has to be like hundreds of years later or thousands of years later in order for it to be a prophecy. But it really doesn't have to be that long for, for it to be a prophecy. Hey, grab, you can grab a chair over there if you want. Uh, sometimes God will say, hey, Joshua... This is going to happen. And then like the next day or later that day or a week later, it happens just like he said it was going to happen. So when God has, when he, when he prophesies something, uh, God's not guessing that it's going to happen, right? God knows that it's going to happen. So when he tells them for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance, the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them, he's telling them, Hey, once you guys have conquered all of this, uh, you're going to be the one divvying up all of this land, well, this is Joshua chapter one. In Joshua chapter uh thirteen, he starts divvying up the land. So just a few chapters later, now it ends up being a few years later for them, but Joshua goes in and he's doing this. He is dividing the land uh among these people for an inheritance. So God kind of slips that in there like, you know, hey Joshua, here you know, a little a little bit later from now, you're gonna be dividing this land. So he's trying to help him think like, Hey, I know you're getting ready to go in and face all these giants, but not too long from now. You're going to be, the land's going to be conquered and you're going to be divvying up the land between all the, 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 um, tribes of Israel. And so, um, anytime that God says he's going to do something and then he does what he says he's going to do in Joshua's life, in David's life, in Paul's life, in our life, right? When God says, Hey, I'm going to do this. And then he does it. That gives us more confidence, right? More uh faith in what God says because we've seen him do it before. Okay, so when when he tells Joshua, "Hey, this is going to happen." Uh just a few years later when that happens, that's going to, you know, that's going to reinforce uh jo- Joshua's faith in what God is saying. Um, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about how God's going to give us uh strength, he's going to give us courage. He tells us that he's never going to leave us or forsake us. Um, you know, he tells us in Philippians that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, right? We read some of these verses or we talk about some of these verses and it's like, well, yeah, okay. God says I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, but that doesn't apply to, you know, maybe we don't say it out loud, but in our mind we're thinking, well, that doesn't apply to this situation, or I don't really need to consult God on this situation. I can just, I can take care of it. I can, you know, power through it or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever things we come up with in our mind, we kind of think. Oh, these verses don't really apply to me or this isn't really talking about me. Um, but God gives us all these verses, right? All these these things to encourage us to let us know, hey, even when it seems like things are very difficult or even when it seems like God's not with me or even when it seems like uh, there's no possible way out, uh, you know, there's all these verses throughout the Bible that, that God's telling us, no, I am with you. Hey, uh, anytime you want to, you can boldly enter the throne room of God. It says that in Hebrews right? We can go before the Lord in prayer. When we, when we pray, uh, our prayers are taken to God's throne. It's, it's as if we have been, you know, transported to heaven and we're standing before God and we're telling him, Hey, I really need help with this situation or thank you for helping me with this situation. Or, you know, thank you for blessing me with this or whatever. Anytime we're talking to God, uh, it's as if, I mean, God is, God is everywhere, right? So it's as if we are Standing before Him, face to face, talking to God, um, and and giving Him our requests, or giving Him our praise, or giving Him our thanks, or whatever we're doing in our prayer. But sometimes it's hard to think about that, like when we're in the moment, you know, like when you're in a situation. Sometimes it seems like maybe more difficult. But no one in history, prior to Jesus Christ dying on the cross, had that kind of access to God, right? Where they could just at any time they could go talk to God. Uh, and be, you know, be instantly face to face with God in a spiritual sense. And so all of these different things, all these different verses and all these different uh, promises that God gives us should give us encouragement to go face difficult things. It should give us more confidence or more faith that like, hey, even when things are difficult, uh, God is there with me because he gives us all these all these reassurances in the Bible, just like he does with Joshua. He tells him all these things. Hey, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to forsake you. Just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. He says these kinds of things over and over and over again. He does the same stuff with us. There's, there's so many verses in the Bible about how God is with us. Um, and, uh, but even, even with all of that information, even with all of those verses, even though, or even most of you guys who've grown up in church know a lot of these verses and you, you know a lot of these promises and you know that God says that he's going to be with you, uh, in the moment, like when we're getting ready to face something difficult or when we are facing something difficult, like, we tend to forget about those things, right? And it, we tend to, like, uh, let our, you know, our emotions or our fear or, uh, you know, just the the moment take over. And we kind of forget about all these things that we know. And so, you know, Joshua was a guy. I mean, he was just a normal guy. Um, I don't know exactly that he's, like, really, really struggling with being afraid. I mean, because he was one of the two spies that said when they first went in, he was one of the two spies that said, no, we can definitely do it. God's with us. Let's let's fight him now. And of course, the other 10 spies said, "No, no, no. There's too many giants. There's big walled cities. We can't take them." And so Joshua from the beginning was wanting to go in and take the land. So I'm not saying he was afraid or uh that you know that he struggled with a lot of fear, but he he was a guy. Like sometimes we think about these people in the Bible that are like uh you know these these people that were so much better than us or so much, you know, they were perfect or whatever. That's not the case. He he was a guy. I'm sure he struggled with some kind of insecurity, some kind of fear, some kind of, uh, problem. The fact that God repeats this phrase, a good courage over and over and over again, um, you know, kind of reassures in me that like, Hey, he's telling Joshua this for a reason, because maybe Joshua wasn't afraid to go in and fight the battle. I mean, he was a soldier, so maybe that wasn't the fear for him. Maybe leading millions of people into battle, knowing that some of those people were going to die. Maybe that was the thing that he was afraid of. Even, even like your most, you know, hardened veteran, uh, soldiers and leaders and, you know, generals and colonels and all that. Even those guys struggle with, I'm, I'm in control of the people underneath me, their life. They go into battle, some of them are not gonna come home. Like people have, like people who are in leadership in the military, they know that. And so that's a big burden to carry. So maybe that was something that Joshua was, was struggling with. Maybe not the fear of the actual battle itself, but maybe the fear of having to, uh, you know, lead people into battle knowing that some of them weren't going to come home. Maybe he was afraid of, you know, once we take all this over, now I'm going to have to be in charge. I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to be the one that's, that's, uh, making decisions and, and, you know, ruling over these people and, and having to deal with all the, the squabbles and the issues that rise up. You know, maybe it was those kinds of things. I don't know what it was exactly, but, uh, you know, God reminding him over and over and over again to be strong and of a good courage tells me that, you know, he needed a, that reassurance uh just like some of us do so uh sometimes people talk about christianity or, we talk, or they talk about the bible and it's like uh have you guys ever heard the term blind faith like you're you're believing that on blind faith like you're just trusting in what the bible says like how could you believe this book that was written thousands of years ago by people you never met um, you know or whatever the thing is like they come up with things and say you're just you're just trusting that on blind faith and uh when I was in hbi randy used to say um, that that is not blind faith, it's evidential faith, right? I mean, it would be silly for us to just say, oh, the Bible's probably true, because my mom said it was, and so I'm just gonna trust it with everything the rest of my life. Uh, that would not be a good, uh, I mean, it'd be good if you trust the Bible, but not just because somebody told you that you should, or told you that it was true. Evidential faith is like, I've experienced this. You know, I, I've been praying to God about something, And then I open my Bible and I'm reading my Bible that day and he answers my prayer exactly what I was praying about through, through his word. Uh, you know, that, that's some confidence building. That's some faith building. That's some evidential faith, right? Or, um, just when you've experienced it in a different way than just, it's probably true. You know, I I don't, I, I never met Joshua. Like, I, you know, I don't know a lot about Joshua other than what's written down in the Bible. Um, but I take it on faith because I've seen God you know, prove himself to me, not that God has to prove himself, but God does prove himself to us. And he gives us evidence-based faith. He gives us, uh, things that we can't like tangible things that we can hold onto, uh, that prove that the Bible is true, that, that when I talk to God, that he does actually hear me, um, because he answers those prayers. And so, um, so the more things, the more times that God proves himself or the more times that God shows up and answers prayer, The stronger that makes my faith, the stronger that should make your faith, uh, you know, maybe you don't have a lot of experience with God showing up and answering your prayers. Well, maybe you should pray more. Maybe you should read your Bible more. And God can do those things. But, like, if we just expect, oh, God's gonna just show himself to me in some, you know, magical, mysterious way, uh, God shows himself to you through prayer, and he shows himself to you through his word. So if you're praying and you're reading, and you're praying and you're reading, God's going to speak to you. He's gonna show up. And answer the prayers. He's going to show you some cool things out of his word. Uh, those things are going to correlate and it's going to give you um, more faith because uh, it's been proven out. <clears throat> um, okay, so verse, let's start back in verse uh seven. So only it says in verse seven: only be thou strong and very courageous. Uh, that thou mayest obtain or no sorry observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest; this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then shalt thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that, that, uh, verse eight there is the only time the word success shows up in the Bible. And, uh, a lot of people use that passage, you know, whatever they're talking about, uh, you know, how to, how to have success in your life. Cause it tells, it tells, God's telling Joshua, here's how you have good success. And so you can apply that, uh, certainly in your life that, hey, if you want to be successful in life, uh, it's not necessarily about how much money you make or what kind of a job you have. Uh, this says that this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. So we should be, the book of the law for, for Joshua was literally the first five books of the Bible, right? The law of, of Moses, right? That, that Moses wrote down. But for us, we have the whole Bible now, right? Joshua did not have the book of Joshua. He didn't have, you know, the book of Romans. Like he didn't have a lot of these books of the Bible. He had the first five books and that was it. But God's telling him, hey, this book of the law, like these, the Bible that you have, the words of God that you do have, uh, you better be meditating on those things day and night, uh, don't let them depart out of your mouth, uh, and then more importantly than all that, that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. So spend time in God's word, he's telling Joshua. Spend time in the word that I've given you. Also be thinking about it even when you're not in it. Meditate on it day and night. Meditate is like, Think think about what you've read. Think about what's going on. Think about how that applies to your life. Think about, like, just, you know, be, you can't obviously read your Bible 24 hours a day, right? But you can be kind of meditating on something. If you read your Bible in the morning and then throughout the rest of the day, you'll be thinking, man, that, that verse was talking about this. And you can be thinking about that even when you're doing other things, right? And so he's telling Joshua, hey, read my word, meditate on it, think about it regularly throughout the day. Because if you do that, then you're going to be able to do the things that it says in the Word, and then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Okay, so uh, for us, it's the same thing. If you spend time meditating, reading God's Word, thinking about God's Word, and then doing the things that you've read in God's Word that it says that you should do, uh, you're going to be prosperous. You're going to have good success. It may not be financial. It may be financial. Who knows? Uh, it's gonna be whatever God uh, has for you, but that's how you have a successful life. And so he's telling, he's telling Joshua, hey, I know, you know, maybe you're worried about this thing or that thing. I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna, not gonna forsake you. He tells him all those things. And then he, t- and then he reminds him, hey, dude, the, your main focus, your main priority should be my word. You have this book of the law. Read it. Meditate on it. Do it. Um and if you do that, you're gonna be successful, Joshua. Or you're gonna be successful, all of you in this room. Um... Okay, so verse, uh, nine. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Okay, so our phrase shows up again. And, uh, but this time he says, have not I commanded thee? That's like one of those rhetorical questions. He's not asking him for an answer. He's telling, he's reminding him, hey, I already commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. So this is a little bit of a different approach than the other the first four of these times that we've seen it show up, it's not like, "Hey, I'm going to be with you, so don't be afraid," or "Hey, don't be afraid because I've already promised this to you," or "Hey, don't be," you know, Moses telling the people of Israel, "Hey, guys, don't be afraid; God's with us." Right? There's different uh, contexts for each one of these. This time, though, God says, "Have I not commanded you?" Like, I'm not suggesting that you be of a good courage. I'm telling you, be of a good courage. I'm, I'm commanding you to be courageous. Because the people, he's telling Joshua, the people of Israel need you to be courageous. What kind of uh, leader, military leader especially, is going to lead his troops into battle who's afraid? You know, like if he's afraid, uh, that's going to rub off on the guys that are following him in the battle, right? He, as a leader, needs to be courageous. Um, and so God's reminding him, this isn't a suggestion. I'm not asking you to be courageous. I'm telling you, you need to be courageous for all of the reasons that I've already given you. I'm with you. I'm going to do the fighting. I've already promised this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm telling you all those things because I need you, Joshua, to be courageous. I'm commanding you to be courageous, right? For us, for you guys who are saved especially, when you go to your schools, whether I'm not saying like you have to get up in front of your whole school and preach the gospel, although if you have an opportunity, that would be awesome. But go into your schools like courageously, right? Look for opportunities where maybe you can share the gospel with somebody. Uh, if somebody sees you and they identify that there's something different about you, hey, that, the way that person carries themselves is different, right? That kid, I've noticed, doesn't cuss the way that we cuss. That kid isn't always talking about this thing or that thing. When we're looking at the stuff on our phones that we shouldn't be looking at, this person turns away from that, or he says we shouldn't be doing that, right? Or whatever the thing is, however you can be courageous in your, like, in your own circle of friends, like, stand up for what's right. You know, like, do something, uh, you know, verbally say something, which can be very scary. Hey, I would prefer if you don't talk like that around me. You know, maybe it's something like that. Maybe you pray over your lunch in the lunchroom. That can be, like, a scary thing to do, right? Whatever it is, like, there's all kinds of ways that, that you guys can be courageous. There's all kinds of ways that, that I can be courageous. And so, you know, God has commanded us, like in Matthew 28, right? Go ye therefore and teach all nations... Like we have a commission. We have a commandment from God that says, Hey, I want you guys to tell people about Jesus. That is our job as Christians. Well, that can be scary. God, you don't know my friends. You don't know my situation. I don't know enough about the Bible, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have all these different reasons why it's hard to be courageous. And so Joshua had reasons to not be courageous. God, there's literally physical giants in this land there's way more of them than there is of us. They have these big gigantic walled cities with archers on top. They're going to take us out before we even get to the building. How are we even supposed to get to the city? They can take us out from a distance, right? All these different excuses and reasons that to not be courageous, right? There's, there's tons of them. There's always reasons to not be courageous, but, uh, you know, after God repeating himself over and over and over again, he finally tells Joshua, and I'm not saying that Joshua was like fighting him on all of this. I wasn't, I'm not saying like, Joshua was defiantly telling God, I can't be courageous. That's not what I'm saying. But God gets to the point where he's like, I need you, Joshua, to be courageous as you enter the promised land, because these people need to see that in you. The people who are following you need to know that you have courage so that they have courage so that they can go in and do the thing that I need them to do, which is to go take over this land. And so for you guys, a a really easy, good application is... Be courageous when you go into your schools or, you know, uh, Nick was asking all of you guys what you're doing for Thanksgiving. Some of you guys have family members who are not saved. So when you go to Thanksgiving dinner, you're going to be eating with people who aren't saved. Not saying you're going to need to preach the gospel at the dinner table at Thanksgiving, but maybe your family, maybe your grandparents or aunt and uncles, maybe they don't pray at Thanksgiving or maybe they don't talk about what they're thankful for. Maybe you can say, hey, we've been talking about this in in my class at church can I pray over Thanksgiving dinner? Or hey, can we all go around and say what we're thankful for? You know, maybe it's something like that's, you know, fairly easy to do. It takes some courage, right? To like ask your grandparents if you can pray over the dinner. I know a lot of you guys don't like praying out loud and stuff, but anything. I'm just saying like look for opportunities to be courageous around people, uh, who need you to be courageous about the gospel. Like there are people in your life that are not saved that need to see you uh being courageous about following the lord so that it gives them like a reason to ask like what's up with you know why are they acting like that why are they i've never seen them do that before or why is why is why are they different in this way or what's gotten into this person um, because you're being courageous and God's commanded us to be courageous he's commanding Joshua to be courageous and uh he's reminding Joshua like listen dude I, I'm commanding I'm telling you you need to do this <clears throat> okay Verse number 10, then Joshua, so God's done talking. So it says, then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the host and command the people saying, prepare you victuals for within three days, ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land, which the Lord, your God, giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua saying, remember the word, which Moses, the servant of the Lord commanded you saying, the Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren, un- or before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord have given your brethren rest as he hath given you and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan toward the sunrising. Uh, we will talk about that. I won't be here next Sunday, but the week after that, we'll go more into detail about what he's talking about there, but basically two and a half of the 12 tribes, there's 12 tribes of Israel, uh, two and a half of them decided, and they made a deal with Moses a few chapters back that, Hey, we don't really want to go into the promised land. We have this really nice land on this side of Jordan and we want to stay here. And so Moses tells them they can stay there and that can be their, their, that can be their inheritance. Um, so Joshua's going to those two and a half tribes and he's saying, listen, This is your land. Moses already promised it to you. But when Moses promised that to you, he also told you, yes, you can have this land, but you also have to go in and conquer the promised land with us. And then once that's all done, you guys can come back home to your wives and your children and you can have the land that the guy promised you. That's what those verses are talking about. Uh, We'll go more into detail on that later, but um, that's kind of what he's talking about. So he's talking specifically to these two and a half tribes and he's telling them that they still need to come with them. And, uh, get ready for battle, because in three days they're going. Uh, so then verse 16, and they answered Joshua. So this is the two and a half tribes answering Joshua, saying, uh, all that thou commandest us, uh, sorry, all that thou commandest us, we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so we will hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses whosoever he be that do that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. And so that's the last time that that phrase shows up in the whole Bible. But uh, he gives this command to these people, right? So first he's commanding uh, in verse uh, 10, the officers of the people. Okay. So just like any kind of like, you know, big uh you know, just like in our country, we have, you know, the president and then he's got people under him, they've got people under them and they kind of get the word out. It's the same way with these guys. So Joshua go, he gathers up kind of his leadership team and tells them, "Guys, listen, in 3 days we're going. You guys need to tell everyone get prepared, you know, get all this stuff ready, get the food ready, get the people ready to move, all this stuff. Like there's a lot of logistical things that go into taking, you know, a couple million people crossing this river and going in and start fighting these people on the other side. Uh, so he's telling them, hey, in three days we're going. And so their response to him was, just like we listened to Moses in all things, we're going to listen to you in all things. Everything that you just told us to do, we're going to do that. And whoever doesn't do what you're telling us to do, that person is going to be put to death. And it's like, Oof, that seems like pretty steep, right? But if you think about it in a military sense, somebody who's like not listening to the orders that come from above, that person is a risk to themselves for sure, right? If the, cause, cause the leader can see, they're more, they're focused more on the war. Hey, I need you over here because these people are getting overtaken. I need more support this way. Or hey, there's too many of you guys over here. Let's move and do this. Or hey, push forward. You know, like your reinforcements are coming. Like there's all these different things that the, in the military that they need to listen to orders, right? They, if you enter the military, I'm not a military person, but, uh if you enter the military they teach you they you know you have to go have to go through boot camp right where they teach you it doesn't matter what we're tell you to do you got to do it as soon as we say it you got to do it they train obedience they train uh you know chain of command they train authority they train all these things into them so that whenever they're in the heat of the battle or, or a place where maybe they uh you know would maybe want to question what's the information that's coming to them no you just obey just do what you're told do what you're told do what you're told and so because not only are they a risk to themselves if they don't do what they're told, they could be risking other people's lives. And so when these people respond back to, to Joshua and they say, hey, listen, we're going to do exactly what you said. We're going to do just like we did with Moses. We're going to do the same thing with you. And anybody who doesn't do what you're telling us to do, uh, we know that comes from God. And so that person's going to be put to death if they don't listen. And um, it sounds harsh, but that that is uh, what they told him that they're going to do. And then after they say all of that, after they say we're with you no matter what, Then they say, only be only be strong and have a good courage. That's the people saying it back to Joshua. So there's been, that's the sixth time that that showed up. And that's the first time that somebody other than God or Moses has said that phrase. But I got to thinking about like, why did the people say it to Joshua? Like why did his leadership team say it to Joshua? Like that doesn't really make a lot of sense why they would repeat it back to him. Um, I mean, they had heard it from God and they had heard it from Moses, but why are they saying it to Joshua? Like the whole thing was to get Joshua courageous, to get the people courageous, but now the people are telling Joshua to be courageous. And the more I thought about it was one of the, one of the most important reasons, I mean, we're like running out of time. All right. We're going to have to go through this fast. So, uh, one of the most important reasons to be involved in a church is to be around a a group of other people that can like challenge you and encourage you and you know if if you're doing something like there's people in this church men in this church that if they're doing something stupid uh, I'm friends with them I, I'm going to tell them what you're doing is stupid or the same thing for me if, if I'm doing something that's harmful or you know it is is bringing uh, not bringing glory to God because of something I'm doing in my life like I would expect some of these people to say something to me right not because they're trying to like call me out on something, but they're trying to like refine me that verse about, uh, iron sharpens iron, right? We have a men's, uh, like breakfast ministry, uh, because men need to be hanging around men. We have women's conferences and women's things because women need to train up and strengthen other women. Like there's a whole refining process in this, you know, walk with the Lord that we have. Uh, that's one of the reasons you guys are in this class. Like the more of the word of God you hear and the more ways you can apply it in your life and the more ways that I can challenge you and, and push you guys to do different things, uh that's good for you. It refines you and it, it grows you up. Um, and so being around other Christians, people who will call you out whenever you're doing something wrong, who will praise you when you're doing something right, or not praise you, but like, you know, let you know you're doing the right thing and, and encourage you. Uh all that all that stuff is super important to be around. And uh so when we got when I was uh eighteen years old, my dad came to me and said, Hey, uh I want you to pray about something. I don't want you to give me an answer for a week. I want you to pray about it. Think about it for a week before you give me an answer. And I'm like, what is he going to ask me? And he's like, hey, we have a missionary in Albania. Uh, he has asked our church if we have anybody in our church that would be willing to go live in Albania and serve as a missionary for nine months. And I want you to pray about, my dad asked me, I want you to pray about if you would do that. And I told him no. And he's like, I told you to give me a week. And I said, well, I don't want to do it. And he said, just pray about it. And so I said, okay, I'll pray about it, but it's not going to happen. Because I'm 18 years old. You know, I just graduated high school. I don't want to do that. I finished. I was almost done with my first year of college. I'm like, I have a lot of stuff going on. I have a job. I have a girlfriend. There's no, I don't want to leave and go to Albania. I don't know anybody over there. Uh, I've never left the country other than like we drove into Mexico when I, <coughs> when I was a teenager. <coughs> but I had all these reasons why I didn't want to go. <laughs> Losing my voice. Um, I had all these reasons that I didn't want to go. But I said, okay, fine. I told you I'd pray about it. I will pray about it. So I'm praying about it. I'm reading my Bible just like I normally do. And I come through. I'm in Ruth. And I read this this cha- this verse in Ruth that uh, basically was confirmation for me that, hey, God's saying, I want you to go to Albania. And I'm like, oh, man. Once I read that verse, I'm like, ah, I guess God's calling me to go. So I kept praying about it. Now, After a week, I went back and I talked to my dad and I said, hey, I think I want to go. Here's the verse that, I, that God kind of used to confirm this in my life. And then, of course, I had to go to my pastor of my church at the time and tell him what I wanted to do. And, hey, would the church be willing to support me? This is what we're going to be doing while I'm there. I don't really know anything. I don't know these people. But, you know, I feel like God's calling me to go. Here's the verse. And my pastor was like, yes, you should go. And so I had confirmation from my dad. So I was still living at home. I was an adult, but I was still living at home. I was 18 years old. Uh, I guess I met him in 19, no, I turned 19 while I was there, I think. Maybe I was 19 before I left. Anyways, I was young, I was a young man. Uh, but I had confirmation from my dad. I had confirmation, which was like my, you know, kind of my spiritual authority because I still lived in his house. Uh, I had, I had confirmation from my pastor that, hey, we think this is something that, that you should do. We're going to support you financially. We're going to support you in prayer. Like, we think you should go do this. Right. And I had people in Albania that were, had been praying about somebody coming, uh, to help plant this new church that they were starting. And so, uh, I'm saying all that because I had people around me that like confirmed. So for me to pray about it and then for God to reveal it in his word, and then for me to go to my immediate, like not supervisor or leader, but like my dad was like one of my financial or financial spiritual leaders, right. For me to go to him and say, Hey, I do think that this is something, what, what do you think about it? And he's like, yes. Yes. And then, okay, so it passed the first test, or it passed the first test with me when I read it in the Bible. Then it passed the first test with my dad. Then I go to my pastor and he says, yeah, we should definitely do it. And so, you know, I'm going through this, this, this kind of checklist. At the time I didn't realize all of this, but as I've gotten older and I've uh, been more involved in ministry, I kind of understand, okay, this is why we need people around us because sometimes we get that, like we read a verse and it's like, oh, this verse says this. That means that God's trying to tell me to do this and we get all, you know, emotional about it or we get, like, this is something I really want to do. And here, this is the verse that says that I should do it, you know? And maybe it's not a wise thing to do. Maybe that's not God telling you that. Maybe it's just you reading into the Bible instead of letting the Bible tell you what what you should do. So going to Albania was something I did not want to do. So I knew that if the Bible was telling me I should go, if God was telling me he sh- I should go through the Word of God, that that was something I should take seriously because it was the opposite of what I wanted. And so uh, sometimes we get, like, where we want something, we just want God to, like, sign off on it so we can do what we want to do. Um, but it's important to have people around you that will, you know, Hey, you say you want to do that. Let me pray about it. And I'll, you know, let's see if God confirms it in my life for you to do what, what you think, you know, God's telling you to do. And so for, I say all that to say that when the people repeated this phrase back to Joshua, so Joshua had heard this phrase from Moses. He heard it directly from God. Uh, this has been a phrase probably that he's been thinking about. And praying about and considering and meditating on. And then for the people to repeat that back to him was like another way for God to confirm through the people who were going to be following him. Cause one of the things he was probably needing courage about was leading these people. And so for him to say, or for them to say to him, we are going to do whatever you ask us to do, just like we did with Moses. We're going to do that with you. Also, Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. That was confirmation in him for, for him to hear, okay, that's the confirm, that's confirmation that I needed to, you know, finally put this thing to bed and enter into the promised land and start taking, uh, the land that God promised us. So it was just a way that God further confirmed in his life, um, just like he does with us in our life. I mean, I don't know how, m- how often you guys pay attention to what Pastor Brian's talking about in second service, but it is like ridiculously consistent how many times what we talk about in this class Brian will read the same verses or the same passages, or he'll make the same point that I have made. And I'm not saying that that's because, like, Brian and I, you know, sync up our messages. I have no idea what he's talking about other than he's talking about wandering in the wilderness. But uh, it's, it's the Holy Spirit of God. Like, I'm praying about what I should tell you guys about the passage that we're talking about. And then God lays it out for me, and then I say it to you. And then Brian's also doing the same thing. And he says it to Brian, and then Brian repeats some things that I've said, or, or I repeat something that Brian has said. That's God repeating himself in your life. If he's, if he's saying something that I've also said, pay attention to what he's saying, because God's trying to get your attention. Like you need to hear this twice or three times or four times. Um, and so just like when God repeats himself in the Bible, when he repeats himself in people's lives that are in your life, like you should pay attention to those things. And so when these people repeated it back to Joshua that, Hey, you be strong and have a good courage, Joshua. We we will follow you no matter what. Be courageous. Be strong because that's what we need. We need you to be that um, because there's going to be some times when they enter into the promised land, Joshua chapter six or seven, uh, where things get a little dicey. They're going to need Joshua's courage to like pull them through and to lead them the way that he's supposed to lead them. So we are seven, six minutes over time. Let's pray and get out of here dear lord god thank you for uh this day god thank you for this passage and joshua thank you for the reminder god that we need to be courageous um god i know that it is it is difficult to be courageous courage is not something that is just uh we can flip a switch and be courageous god we need to be uh full of faith we need to understand god that the things in your word that you've promised to us those are not just flippant promises god but those are things that you have promised to us uh in all sincerity god and that um we should take those things as true because you've said them. And so, uh, God, for anybody in this room that hasn't experienced that, God, I pray that they would take the time to pray and, and read their Bible this week. And, God, I pray that, that you would show yourself to them and uh, encourage them and give them uh, a stronger faith, God, because it's based on evidence of things that you've done in their life. and. Uh, God, that that would give them the courage that they need to um, just be a light in their their own circles of friends and family members and their schools. God, I just uh, ask your blessing on the everyone that's in this room in that way. God, I pray your blessing on Pastor Brian uh, as he's getting ready to preach to us. And uh, just ask your blessing on the rest of our day. In Jesus' name, amen. I no. not <laughs>